So for you, the grass is greener on the other side. It is greener. <laughs> yeah. So my career was sales and then sales leadership. Now it sounds like that was straight line. It was not. It was, you know, all over the place. When I graduated university, I had no idea what I was going to do. So I kind of fell into sales and then I ended up loving it. From that first job, I already knew I wanted to be an executive. You're the one who's responsible for making your career happen, for having the vision of your career and then for making it happen for yourself. You became a EVP after many years, as you say, and then you left. When was the time you felt the nudge that, okay, I'm not going to continue with the corporate career path. I want to do something different. On the outside, my life was perfect. I had my perfect job. I was making great money. I was in my perfect house and I felt miserable. You can do bigger things than you think. We tend to think small. And I think, again, it's the same idea of like, we see people who are so successful and we're like, oh, but they're special or something. No, no there's no reason to do everything they're doing. So I'm Katie McPhee. I'm the CEO at Insights to Action, where our mission is to help get more women into the executive suite and then help existing executives to thrive in their roles. Katie McVie had 18 years career in tech and biotech sales. She climbed the ladder and she became first manager, then director, then promoted to vice president. And finally, she got the executive vice president position for sales. Yet her journey was not without challenges. And often she was questioning her path to leadership. And when she finally figured it out, she decided to leave her corporate career. And now she's helping women not only survive, but thrive in leadership and executive roles. She founded her company, Insights for Action, and her main goal is to empower and transform our approach to leadership. She is a beacon for any aspiring leader out there. So if you are on the verge of a leadership position and you need this defining edge, this is the episode for you. So let's dive in. Let's start from the very beginning. And the first question I always ask is, um, who is Cathy McPhee? What was your bringing like? And what were these events that shaped you who you are today? Yeah, so my upbringing, um, I grew up in sort of a Irish Catholic family. I'm Canadian, I live in Canada. Um, and uh yeah i grew up in a, a very like typical nuclear family two parents i have two older brothers um i joke that one of the things during my upbringing that i think shaped me was that i was the youngest i was the only girl and my family was a very like jokey family where we would tease each other and poke fun and so being the youngest one i got a lot of that and so <laughs> I joke that it helped build my resilience and my ability to take feedback, right? Where so many of us, we get to the workplace and we really struggle to take feedback. And that wasn't really something I personally struggled with. And I joke that I, I thank my brothers because they just teased me so much growing up that I had a thick skin. So, yeah. um, you know, one of the things when I went to school, when I was in 
high school and university, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my career. So I felt very lost. Uh, I liked science, so I went into science. But even when I graduated university, I had no idea what I was going to do. So I kind of fell into sales, and then I ended up loving it, which was kind of lucky because I didn't, I didn't have, I wasn't one of those kids who always knew, you know, in grade nine, I knew I wanted to be a doctor or whatever. I just, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do for a long time. Well, you know how this is so. Um, I hear this so often. And I hear this from senior people. Um, actually, everyone said that they had absolutely no clue what they're going to do when they're when they're in university at all. And I start. Uh, I'm suspecting and I'm suspicious that all these people that say, "Oh, uh, at grade nine they say I want to be a doctor," they just have heard this somewhere and they're repeating it. But deep down, they have absolutely no clue. They don't know even what doctor is. But their mother said, oh, you'll be a doctor. And they said, okay, I'll be a doctor. You started talking about your career. So um, can you walk us through your career uh, briefly? Because we'll talk in details uh, later on. And when you talk about this, can you tell us when was, when was this moment when you realized you want to be in a leadership position and that you deserve to have this and that you want to have that? That's a great question. So, so my career was sales and then sales leadership. Now it sounds like that was straight line. It was not, it was, you know, all over the place. Um, like I mentioned, when I, I graduated, I did a science degree in biopharmaceutical science and I knew someone who started working at a startup locally here in Ottawa. Uh, and it was a biotech company and I decided to apply for this role. So, so I got the job and from that first job, I already knew I wanted to be an executive. So I had no idea about business structure, about anything when I got this job. In fact, at one point, I thought our CEO was like the IT guy. <laughs> That's I didn't. I just didn't understand corporate structure. I had no business background. I was so green. But I looked at my boss and he was the VP sales. And I was like, I want to be like you when I grow up. Like, I was just like, I want this job. It seems so fun. It seems so cool. And of course, I was like, I was nothing like him. He's like a six foot three rugby player, alpha male guy. But I just was really inspired by that, his leadership and decided that was what I wanted to pursue. And so I went on to do a few more sales jobs. I worked at really large biotech companies. I worked at some smaller ones. Um, and then I joined another startup and had an opportunity to build out a team. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be my opportunity to finally get there and to become an exec. And in that role, I did end up becoming a director. I was not able, I tried for years to get them to promote to, me to a VP and I was not successful. <sighs> and then I moved into the tech space and that's where I got my first VP role. So okay. part of your question was, when did I believe I deserved it? And that's kind of a tough question yeah, because I went back and forth for a long time where mm -hmm. part of me thought, I am ready. I want to do this. I know I can be a great executive. And then part of me thought, I'm out, out, of, my, out of my league. Like, maybe I'll <laughs> never be ready. Right? Like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. So I did kind of ping pong back and forth. Um, but I knew I wanted it for a long time. In your LinkedIn profile, I was reading it, and um, you're talking about the difficulties um, and the the challenges uh, moving from um, from a manager to VP. 
So mm. what were these challenges? Why, why they happened and, and how did you overcome them? Mm. This is a challenge I think a lot of people experience. So this was, I, I found this challenging in my own career, transitioning from manager to director to VP. And I looked around when I was working in the corporate world. And then also now that I'm coaching women full-time, this is where I see women get stuck the most in their careers and men. And I think it's one of these scenarios where it's what got you here won't get you there. So when you're in your career, especially working as an individual contributor, you're largely valued for what you're doing, right? Like you're valued as an executor. And so if you're working really hard and you're meeting or exceeding targets and you're putting up your hand for every extra project, you are going to likely be promoted to manager. Once you're a manager or a senior manager, if you keep doing that same thing, expecting to get promoted to the next level, this is where you often get stuck. Because yeah. you actually need to start, you know, using a different playbook at that point. And once, once you know, you want to become, let's say, a, a VP, the expectation is that you're going to show up a different way, right? You're going to be more strategic. You're going to be more decisive and outcome-driven and all of these things. And no one really teaches you that. So this was, this is a big reason I started my business, because I saw so many people getting stuck in this area. And I always say like, I've thought about this more than anyone on the planet because I struggled so much through this that I really wanted to understand like, what does it take to become an executive? Why is this transition so difficult? So for me, the way I was finally able to overcome it, part of it was I worked with an executive coach that helped me realize a lot of things. So it helped me to reset my mindset where I had some limiting beliefs around whether or not I belonged at the table, right? Whether or not I belonged in that executive position. That was one thing. Another one was I realized that in that particular company, I was in the wrong spot. Like I was probably never going to be a VP there. I had grown a lot, but a lot of the people around me, I think still saw me as the person I was when I came in. I was at that company for eight and a half years, right? So I grew a lot. Um, and the third was I got really good at self-reflection and being more discerning in terms of like, what did I do well here? What did I not do well? Why did this meeting go well? Why did this meeting not go the way I wanted it to? And so I was able to learn, you know, how do I communicate more effectively as a senior leader, right? How do I pitch my ideas? How do I operate in a way that, um, you know, people are going to see me as the leader that I really want to be. So those were kind of the three things that helped me to overcome kind of being stuck at that director level. But why did you think you didn't belong? What gave you this feeling? Was it you internally or did some people around said, uh, gave you feedback you're not ready? Both. For me, it was largely external. So I was getting the message that you're not ready yet. My boss was telling me, you're not ready yet. You're, you're not a VP yet. And the challenge was, even as I asked, okay, what do I need to do? Like, what do you want me to do to get to that next level in my career? He wasn't really able to articulate a clear path, right? He wasn't saying, go take this course 
and then you'll be a VP or do these three things or, you know, this is the skill I need you to, you know, really hone in order to be a VP. So that was really challenging for me where day after day, month after month, year after year, I kept getting this message. I didn't feel like I was advancing and it really started to eat away at my confidence. So for some people, that's not the case. For some people, it is more in, like internal where truthfully, we receive all kinds of messages our whole life that the people at the executive table look a certain way and it might not be like us, right? And so there is that underlying feeling, I think, in women and in particular women and women of color. And so that's something we have to overcome. But even if we have overcome it, sometimes it's the the messages we're actually getting that are going to also shake our confidence. So we need to be really, this is why I talk a lot about being um, smart about what environment you allow yourself to stay in. Because being in an environment that's not serving you can really eat away at your confidence and it can take a long time to build that back up. No, absolutely. And uh, you said it um, just a minute ago that you have to drive your career. You have to find the way and uh, raise your hand for the next project. But also equally important is that you have somebody who wants to help you and wants to prepare you. So if you don't have these two things, you won't be able to to move forward. Um, so talking about this, um, what are your top three advice to people who are at the cusp of getting a leadership position? Top three things you can do. So one, I would say, I always say that having a community is one of the best possible things you can invest in. And when I say community, people who are ahead of you, who are where you want to be, peers who are at the same level as you, and then people who are behind you, who you can teach. Because all of these things are going to help you to get better, right? And so this was one of the things that I did really well in my career. And it really helped me is I always surrounded myself with smart people who could help me out. So that would be one. Another one is taking control of your career path, right? So you are the one, I always say this, you're the one who's responsible for making your career happen, for having the vision of your career and then for making it happen for yourself, whatever that looks like. That might mean investing in a program, investing in coaching, taking a course, reading some books, whatever the thing is, you need to be proactive in terms of making that happen for you. And I guess the third would be being really um, discerning, again, about what situation you're in and if if you're in the right environment to really help yourself thrive. So I mentioned that I was in the wrong environment, partly because they still saw me as, as Katie five years ago, right? But the second part of that was the stage of company I was at was a little too early for my skill set, And I didn't really realize this for a long time. But when I moved to a company that was more in the scaling stage, I was really able to lean into my superpowers. I was really able to show what I could do, be successful, you know, create a lot of success for the company. And it's because, partly because, again, I had shifted my mindset, but it was partly because the stage of company allowed me to lean into my strengths. So again, gaining the self-awareness as to, am I in the right place? Where do I really shine? Do I need to make a move? I think is the third thing that's really important. 
Absolutely. And being self-aware that that's so valuable. Um, if you, if you know, and you, if you can assess the situation that can save you a lot, a lot of wasted time and, and a lot of emotions, really negative emotions of, of beating yourself up for not, not achieving enough, not achieving according to plan. Um, so you, you became um, a VP, EVP, um, after many years, as you say, and then, then you left the corporate life. <laughs> so I would have thought you would continue, you know, from, from there on, you know, and, uh, enjoy the, the fruits of your, of your, you know, all the efforts that you've put in. So, um, when was the time you, um, felt the nudge that, okay, I'm not going to continue with the corporate career path. I want to do something different. It's something I had thought about during my career. So when I was at, when I was a director and I was feeling stuck before I went and took the EVP role, I really thought about what is it I want to do in life. And I did briefly entertain the idea of entrepreneurship. I thought like, do I want to make an app? Do I want to start my own business? And at that time, I thought, no, like I'm on the leadership path. This is the path I'm on. I'm not going to take a big step backwards right now. So I just put it to bed. And then it's funny because for so many years, I was so fixated on this external goal of becoming a VP. It's like I could not see anything else. It's the only thing I was focused on, which in a way, I guess, helped me get there. But I never really stopped long enough to think, is this what I really want? For me, like in my soul, right? Like I thought, yeah, cool title and a, some money, you know, but I wasn't really thinking about, is this something that's truly aligned with me in terms of who I am? And I think a lot of us never really stop to think about who am I as my authentic self? What do I want to be doing on this earth? And so what happened with me is as I went along this journey, like I said, I was so fixated on the external goal. I was not paying attention to what I truly wanted. I never really stopped to think about that. And I did love leadership. I loved a lot of elements of, of being an executive. And so when I finally got there, initially, I was like, this is great. I was really enjoying running a function and, and helping to create impact for the company. But a part of me thought like, okay, well, now what? And then I was headhunted for the EVP role. So I was like, okay, this is the next thing, right? And to your point, I thought, maybe I'm just going to keep going. Maybe I'll be, maybe I'll move into being a C-level executive. Like who knows what I'll do? Towards the end of, I guess it would have been the end of 2021, I really started to burn out. And I had a few sort of mini burnout events in my career, but this one was a much more, a, a major burnout event where I just felt it was funny. Like on the, on the outside, my life was perfect. I had my perfect job. I was making great money. I was in my perfect house. Everything was perfect. And I felt miserable. Like I just didn't feel happy. I was not excited about work. Um, and I was like, what is wrong with me? You know, like I finally created the perfect life I've wanted for years. I'm unhappy. My partner was like, not recognizing me because I'm generally an optimistic person, have a lot of energy. Um, and I was just feeling really, um, yeah, just, just 
no energy, unhappy, you know. And so that's really what forced me to stop and just think about what what is it that I really want. And so I did I did a two day day masterclass with this with a coaching uh, company, and I I really like it was so eye opening to me, and it really made me stop and think about what is it I actually want for for my dream life. What do I want my dream life to look like? Is this it or is it something else? If I could just forget everything that exists today, but create the vision of what I ultimately want, the biggest, boldest vision for my life. What would that be if I didn't worry about being afraid or anything else? I just was on it. And so that's where I really started to allow myself to entertain the idea of like, I think I would have my own business, right? It was super scary to leave this role, to leave this career that I had built over so many years. Um, But when I was honest with myself, I was like, that's what I actually really want. I want to be able to help other people. I want to be able to help other women, you know, do great things. That's what I got a lot out of when I looked at the things I was enjoying most in my life at that point. And so, yeah, it was one of those things, like once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Right. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I was like, as soon as I allowed myself to start thinking in this way, I was like, oh my gosh, now I can't go back. (laughs) So yeah, that was really the moment. Yeah, well, while you were talking, uh, it was as if I am thinking, at, I mean, five years ago, six years ago, when I thought, okay, what is, what is, is this it? Is this my life or is there something else I want? And I went through exactly the same as you're saying. I had the dream life. Everybody were like, oh God, you know, she's a COO. She lives in Hong Kong. She, you know. Um, and I was thinking, what's wrong with me? Just, just like you were thinking, what is wrong with me? Everybody would enjoy it. Everybody would, there, would, there are 10,000 people who want to take my job. <laughs> well, we are maybe cut differently, you know? So we want something more from life than that, than the dream life. So once you decided to leave, um, how did you prepare financially? Um, mentally what did you do what was your blueprint yeah that's it's it's funny because i think many people are think about the financial preparedness and for me the bigger hurdle was the mental one so financially i mean we were i was lucky we were in a good position my partner and i had both had successful careers And so we kind of had an agreement. I want to say, first of all, I was lucky that I had a lot of support from my partner who was like, quit your job, just do yoga for a year if you want to. He's like, I just want you to be happy, do whatever you want. So I had a lot of support in that sense. I've said before, like, there was a point in my life I was a single mom. At that point, probably would not have done this, right? I would have been too afraid. But at this point, I was able to say, we we kind of came up with this agreement. Okay, I'm going to do this. We'll give it six months. If after six months, there's no sign of like that this is going to work, maybe I'll look for a job, right? Because I, I knew that I was employable. I'm like a very employable person. I had good experience. And, but I thought, you know, I need to give it enough time 
but I'm not going to do this for years and years making no money, right? That That's not feasible. So six months was a timeline. We knew we could like pay our bills, pay our mortgages. We were not going to be like out on the street, right? If, if there was no traction in six months. So that was the timeline we gave ourselves. And it took the pressure off me. I was like, I got six months to make this work. I'm not even going to like really think about worrying until like month five. <laughs> so, um, so that was the financial piece. In terms of the, the mental piece, this was a lot harder because a lot of my self-worth and a lot of my identity was wrapped up in who I was as an executive, right? I was like, if I'm not an executive, do I even matter? <laughs> like, will people care who I am? Which is so, you know, this is the part I think a lot of us fear and people just don't say it out loud. But it's like, a lot of me thought this is, you know, this is what makes me worthy as a person is the fact that I've been successful, right? And this is why people think I'm important. This is why people want to talk to me. Uh, so there was a lot of fear around that that I had to just like get through. Like I had to um, come to terms with the fact that my self-worth is more than my achievements, right? Which which we can all logically know, but you know, it's some deep-seated belief stuff. Um, and part of what I did actually that helped a lot was, was the visualization piece where I really visualized what exactly does this life look like for me that I want? Like, what does each day look like? What are the things I'm going to do in the week? And that was really, you know, a driving force that helped me get over that hump because in my executive life, I didn't have a lot of space, right? It was like very busy. Um, meetings all the time. And so just the idea of like, I'm going to meet a friend to go for a walk once a week. Like I'm going to like go for lunch with people. I'm going to do like, that was just so like intoxicating this idea that I could do this. So that really helped me to, to get over that hump. And I created a life vision. I created a whole vision for what I wanted my life to look like. And it was like a plan, right? Where it had the vision, it had some milestone goals, it had some next steps. And so that really was was kind of what helped me get over that mental health uh, hump. Um, the other thing I did, I want to say on the financial side, was I said yes to a lot of things in year one, right? So year one of my business, I always say like, that was my year of yes, where so it was like, hey, you want to create a course for us? And I'm like, sure. How much are you going to pay me? Okay. Hey, do you want to do some like business advising? Sure. And part of that was I wanted steady income and I wanted to ensure that I was not going to be someone whose business was costing more than it was making, right? So I was I was essentially profitable on day one because, you know, word got out that I was going to be going out on my own. And I had some people who knew me who, who reached out early to get me to do mostly, uh, not so much the coaching I do now, but more like business advising, really. And so I did a little bit of that. And it was a great teacher because it taught me what I really wanted to do, what I felt passionate about, what I didn't to do. And so this year, which is the second year I'm in business, I always say it's like my year of no. <laughs> I say no to a lot of things, say no to a lot of people, which I don't love doing, but this is my year of focus, right? Where I'm just hyper-focused on the things that I know I really want to do and that I care about. But but if I, you know, if I back up truthfully in that first year, I think it is smart to say yes to a lot of things to get the revenue flowing to learn what's working in my business, what do I enjoy, what's getting results, and then you can start to 
focus in on what's really going to move the needle. Mm, that that's really excellent advice. Um, looking back at um, when I was living, uh, the the mental hump was really, as you said, very very big, and I was I was thinking, okay, um, when I go out of my job, I'm nobody. I have absolutely no nothing. I'm nothing. Uh, and then slowly I started thinking my way to go over, over this was, I was thinking, okay, uh, what is the worst that can happen? What is the worst? And, uh, and I said, okay, this is the worst. Can I live with it? Both mentally, both the way people were going to, um, treat, I mean, approach me or accept me, but also financially, what is, what is the worst? And then when I, uh, defined what is the worst. I was ready to go because I was thinking, okay, even if this fails, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll accept it. I'll move on. And then after I moved, I mean, all these calculations were so silly. <laughs> when I look back, it's just so funny. <laughs> the things, the things you think about yourself, uh, simply because you were in a corporate life and you just, uh, you, you cannot separate the two personas. And then the moment you leave, I mean, that other persona just disappears and the new one is takes over just like this on day one. Um, so, um, for those who are exactly on the edge and are thinking the same thing, oh, I want to have a different life. I want to start a business. or I want to do something different. What are your top three advice again? The number one thing I would say is create the vision, right? Spend the time and create the vision, the biggest, boldest vision you can hold for your life. So that would be number one. Take the time to do that. Really lean into like, what does it look like? What needs to happen for me to get there? The second thing would be um, to really do some, you, you know, you mentioned the, the power of awareness. And I think self-awareness and doing that inner work is so important, especially if you're going to go into entrepreneurship. I don't know about you, but like the first, it's only been a year and a half for me. Holy smokes, what a journey of getting to know myself in a whole different way, dealing with challenges. And so I really believe if you can do that inner work before going on that journey or yeah. as you're starting it, you are going to be better prepared. Um, and the third thing would be surround yourself with support. Again, same thing with going to leadership as, as moving into, um, entrepreneurship, having that support network, so important. And when I moved into entrepreneurship, I didn't have any entrepreneur friends, really very, very few, you know, if any people that I knew were running their own business. So most of the people in my life did not understand the stuff I was going through, the stuff that I was, that my challenges, any of that kind of stuff. And I've been really fortunate that over the last year and a half, I have built a really great network of people to support me. So I had, when I went through my coaching certification, I had my coaching pod. It was a very tight knit, it's a boutique coaching academy that I went through. So it was like a tight knit group that really helped me at that point. I made some coach friends on LinkedIn, actually of all <laughs> places. Um, you know, one of them, I consider a, a true friend. We've never met in person. She lives in California, <laughs> but we catch up regularly. We text each other all the time. She's also a coach. Um, and so we, we can just share a lot with each other. And then I've also joined a couple of masterminds since then, 
right? And worked with coaches myself, business coaches. So I've worked with business coaches. Mm -hmm. I've also joined masterminds. And the thing I love about a mastermind is you get leadership, but you also get this peer group community yeah. of people who are like doing the same things you're doing, who are experiencing the same challenges as you. So I would say that taking the time, like carving out the time to find and then invest in that community, totally game changing in terms of like how, you know, isolating entrepreneurship can be and not knowing, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, and it's hard yeah. to, the learning curve is so, is so big. So yeah, I would say that it might even be the most important one. You mentioned that um, you learned a great deal about you becoming an, when you became an entrepreneur. So what did you learn about yourself? Was there anything that really surprised you that you never thought that's you, but, but it was? Well, so I've, I've, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the last, I want to call it like two years have really been my, my big journey in terms of self-discovery, getting to know myself. And I've learned a ton, right? Like one thing I learned was that for a lot of my career, I was not really showing up as my authentic self, right? I was not, I don't think, I didn't feel as, as though I was able to be my full authentic self as an executive in that role. And as I got more, you know, senior, I would say I, I was bringing more of myself to the table. But when I look at myself as an entrepreneur, I truly feel I have never been more my authentic self as I am doing this job in this role, what I do every day. So that was one big thing I learned was just like this idea of, am I showing up as my authentic self? Who is that person? And it was kind of freaky to be like, holy smokes, there's all these situations in my life, whether professional or even personal, where I haven't felt like I could be my authentic self. And now, again, same idea, like what, I, what I've now seen, I can't unsee. I'm unwilling to really put myself in situations where I can't be my authentic self now. It's just not worth it to me. So it, it really caused me to reevaluate a lot of relationships in my life, a lot of situations, a lot of friendships, a lot of things. So that was a big one. Um, the other thing I would say I learned is, is that I'm capable of a lot more than I think I gave myself credit for. Right? Like I, I tell people, I'm like, you can do bigger things than you think. We tend to think small. And I think, again, it's the same idea of like, we see people who are so successful and we're like, oh, but they're special or something. No, there's no reason to do everything they're doing, right? So that was another thing that that was, you know, I was like, oh, may maybe I can do this. And then I would like blow it out of the water. And I'm like, okay, maybe now we'll <laughs> do this other thing, right? So, you know, I think when I started my, my business, I had this idea, like, oh, maybe this is what I think it might be able to be in terms of like the size of the business or, or the impact I could have. And now I'm like just shooting for the moon because I have learned that we're, we are capable of a lot. And I, and I realize that I'm capable of a lot more than I think I'd given myself credit for. And so giving myself permission to just like dream really big and go for it has been a really cool learning and something that I don't, I did not expect. So, so for you, the grass is greener on the other side. It is greener. <laughs> yeah. Great. yeah. I mean, <laughs> the biggest thing I've missed about corporate life, I would say was having colleagues, 
And recently I've started building a team. And so now I've got colleagues again. I'm like, okay, this is oh. great. This is perfect. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So Congrats. I, I, I think entrepreneurship's not for everyone, but if it is for you, once you get there, you're like, oh, okay. Like this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. I'm never going back. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with you. You spoke about network and um, you're active on LinkedIn. Um, I follow you. I read everything you write. When did you start becoming more active on LinkedIn? Was it when you started your business or before that? Just before, just before. And, and which was smart to do it before, but it was not strategic. It was not intentional, <laughs> truthfully. Yeah. I was planning, so I, I told my CEO that I was going to transition out of the business in December, and we decided to take Q1 for me to transition out so it wasn't too disruptive. Yeah. So I decided to launch my business, Insights to Action, April 1, 2022. And so in Q1, I also went down to three days a week as an EVP, which is kind of unprecedented, but my, my company was very supportive. And so I had those extra two days to just start to like rest and get over my burnout and then also start to build my company. And um, one of the things I wanted to do was start being active online. I, I didn't want to start doing it truthfully, but I thought if I'm going to have a business, I have to start doing this. So I have to get over my fear. I have to get over myself. And so what I did in January is I started to look into, okay, how do you even post online? I had not, the only posts I had done on LinkedIn were like, either I'm hiring or here's my new job, right? Like I was one of those people. And so I knew that LinkedIn was the platform I wanted to invest in because I was like, this is where, you know, I, I feel comfortable and I think I can add a lot to this platform. And so I just started writing posts. I wanted to be prepared. So I started writing some content and at the end of January, 2022, I had 20 posts written and I planned to post once every weekday. So I'm like, okay, this is one month written. I'm just going to start posting now. So that's the only reason I started posting. I started posting at the very, very end of January, 2022. And then my business launched on April 1st. So I had that little two month buffer. And if I could go back in time, I would have started posting a year before, six oh, months before, absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. But I not have that foresight. Like I said, it was not strategic. I was just like, yeah, I've got a month. I'm going to start going. Um, but what I noticed is after posting for two months, then I announced my business and I already had a couple of people contact me to say like, Hey, we'd love to, I'd love to hear more about what you're doing and see if we could work together. And so that's when it hit me that I was like, man, I should have done this like a year ago. But, um, but in any case, um, that was when I started. So I've only been, I've only been active on LinkedIn for that amount of time, a little over a year and a half. Um, but I do, I post every single day. I've discovered that I love writing. I actually was something that another limiting belief as, a, as someone who, you know, I did science in school and I used to always tell myself the story, oh, I'm not good at writing because I'm a science girl. So I'm good at numbers. This is what I would say. I don't know why. I don't know where I got this story from, but I ran with it for like, most of my life. And then when I started writing on LinkedIn, I was like, writing is super gratifying and fun. And it, it not only allowed me to express myself and, and have a creative outlet, but it also allowed me to really discover what I was passionate about. Because there were certain posts that I would bang out in like 30 seconds and I was felt so passionate when I wrote them. And then they would 
do really well. And so I thought, wow, this is the stuff I care about and other people care about it too. And so it helped me to kind of pretty quickly pivot my business and start to focus on what I do now. And I really attribute a big part of that to just me writing every single day. Absolutely. I, um, I was exactly the same. I never thought I can write ever since school because, you know, I was, I hated when they asked us to, to read a poem or a, a book and write and write a synopsis in your own words. You know, that was like, oh God, that was killing me. And I always thought, okay, I'm not good at that. Although I had, um, if I had an inspiration, I would write something amazing and the teachers would say, oh, that was great. And when I have no inspiration, my goodness, it was really bad. So I said, okay, you, you're not born for this. You're not good for this. But now I'm posting too. So um, people like it. So I guess <laughs> I'm not that bad. If you look back at everything you've done, everything that you've achieved, what would you, um, what would be one advice you give to your younger self who is just starting um, and is battling the, the manager to director to EVP battle? I would say, oh, that's such a good question. Um, what advice would I give myself? <laughs> I think one piece of advice would be, um, like if you want something, you can make it happen for yourself, right? Like I, I think I worried a lot about whether I was ready or whether I was skilled or, but I actually believe that the biggest, most important factor is just your own drive to making something happen and how much you actually want it. So that would be, that would be one piece of advice I give to myself. Um, another piece of advice I give to myself would just be to like really lean into who I am and what my strengths are and not worry so much about the way I was perceived. That would be a, a, another big one I'd give to myself. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, We're at the end of the podcast. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our um, conversation and there was so many good advices to people um they can write a notebook of insights and uh, i wish you all the best and uh, i'm rooting for you from the thank other you. side of the world thank you nice and i will say like if people listening are in that stage where they're stuck that is specifically what i do right i have um a program that's to help women become executives. It's to get you VP ready. So I, I post free content every day on LinkedIn, but you could also check out what some of my programs are if you want to take that extra step and invest in yourself. This is all for today. Thank you for being with me till the end. And before you go, I have a huge favor to ask. Would you please subscribe or leave a message and send us any comments and recommendations? The more we hear from you, the better this podcast will be. Thank you for now and see you in the next episode.